0: That one was forty thousand. The rent on that one is going to be a thousand bucks for the person.
1: flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping. Uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you so um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding uh, they've come up with a guide it's called the top 10 crowdfunding questions guide and they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of the best real estate investing advice ever show. This show is all about getting you to the next level in real estate investing by interviewing top real estate investing guests. I've interviewed Barbara Corcoran, Robert Kiyosaki, Jay Papasan, and I'm excited to interview today's Best Ever guests. We're all about getting the best real estate investing advice ever from them based on their experience in investing and helping you apply that advice to your life so that you can rock and roll to the next level. With us today, we've got Nancy Brooke. How are you doing, Nancy?
0: Uh, I'm doing awesome, Joe. How are
1: you? Oh, I'm awesome, too. I just love it when guests say, I'm awesome. I'm <laughs> You're setting a good vibe for the show. That's great.
0: It's all about the vibe, isn't
1: it, in real estate? Seriously, it's all about the vibe. And um, Tony Robbins say, it's it's first you got to change your state. And then what is it? Emotion is created by motion. So the more you move, the better you feel. Love it. Well, Nancy is an active real estate investor. She invests virtually and owns 15 properties with her boyfriend in Montana, Florida, and Ohio. She's based in Billings, Montana, but she owns in in multiple states. She's experienced with buy and hold properties, rehabs, wholesaling, and vacation rentals. And interesting about her that's non-real estate related, she wrote an award-winning book called Cycling, Wine, and Men a midlife tour de France. So (laughs) if you're interested in reading that, then definitely go check out her website, which is propertyadventure.com. And I'm sure there's a call out to it on your website, right?
0: Not yet, but I'm going to have to add it. (laughs) You're
1: going to have to add it. Yeah. And quick.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, Nancy, thanks for being on the show. And can you share with the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: Absolutely. Well, I started uh, investing in 2013. Um, Basically, my goal was to move to Florida and decided that a great way to do it would be to buy a fourplex and have the three units pay for my apartment. And since that time, my boyfriend, who's also my partner, and I have invested in duplexes, single families, and a condo. And as you mentioned, together we have about 15 properties um, and I started dabbling in wholesaling in February and got serious about it in April and so far um, have worked on closing a, a few deals so far and have a few more under contract. So trying to rock and roll on the wholesaling now.
1: So you've been wholesaling April May, about three months and you've already done a couple wholesale deals?
0: Absolutely. Since April, I've, I've closed two and I have two more under contract. One should be closing here hopefully in the next week or two.
1: Okay. How did you find the two deals? What are the numbers behind them?
0: Sure. So um, the first deal was really related to um, making, I guess, postcard mailings and finding opportunities within the market of St. Petersburg, Florida. So my strategy is finding homeowners that are non-owner occupied. They have 60 percent at least um, equity in the house, according to the list list. And then from there, they call into an 800 number, I get their phone number, and I call them back. So that was the process with that one. Um, another one I did was with a friend, and I happened to know the property owner of that one, and so just kind of did her a good buddy deal. And the third one I've done is, again, a postcard mailing. This one is a fabulous property. It has a great rate of return, and the owner who buys it will probably end up with about 25% gross return. So
1: with the first deal, the postcard mailing in St. Petersburg, Florida, what are the numbers behind that deal?
0: That one was 40000 The rent on that one is going to be 1000 bucks for the person. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So St. Pete's rocking and rolling. It's a great market. Home prices are escalating a lot. We also do Columbus, Ohio because that's also a very high earning market. So those are kind of what we look for. Um, we ended up selling some houses in Montana because the rate of return, we can't, we can't get that kind of rate here. Housing prices are high and rent is relatively low.
1: Now, when you say wholesaling on your first deal, did you wholesale it to someone else?
0: Yes, I did. Uh-huh. I did.
1: Okay. And so they bought it for 40000 and they're renting it out for 1000 Exactly. And how much did you make on that transaction?
0: I only made a couple thousand on that one.
1: What's the deal with the forty thousand dollar house renting for a thousand? Were there repairs that were required?
0: Some. It's probably about five grand in repairs is what it amounted to. So wow. so there are repairs needed. Um, we have tended to buy properties that are a little bit older and in need of repair, you know, maybe five to ten thousand dollars in repair. So that's the one thing that's variable. You just need to make sure you have your numbers right and something I've learned along the way.
1: Oh yeah, me too, my friend. <laughs> The hard way, exactly. lots of times. Yeah. With the second property, what are the numbers behind that one?
0: That one was purchased for, let me think. I think that one was also 40 That one I got a $1,000, I guess, assignment fee just because it was my friend. So I was trying to do her a favor.
1: Yep. And what are you looking at for the third one?
0: The third one is, um, actually, it's a 5 Property deal. That one may be delayed in closing. I have a long inspection period. We're hoping to turn it into commercial land. It's right by a hotel. It's right now five individual properties on residential land. So it would be a good opportunity for somebody in the construction business. I did have somebody who was interested. Now I've had to shop it to some other people. That one's probably going to get me ten thousand and then the co wholesaler ten thousand, so it'll be twenty thousand.
1: That's awesome. What role in the process do you have in the conversion of residential to commercial?
0: Well, it's going to be a zoning change. And so, um, again, one of my business partners had talked to the county just to see their feedback on the zoning process. They seemed in favor. Of course, it has to go through a zoning committee, and that process can take four to five months But it's I mean, it's a heck of a deal for five properties for somebody who wants to build commercial. So that's that's what we're looking at.
1: And when you bought the fourplex and you rented out three units, were you living in the fourth one?
0: I was. So my plan was to move to Florida from Montana. Let's face it, you know, winters aren't the greatest <laughs> <laughs> in the north, even though Montana is a beautiful state. So that was my plan. And so I have a 2000 foot apartment there. And then the three units are downstairs and the three pay for itself. It probably isn't the best. It's, well, it's probably the worst return of, of investment of all of them that I own. But I went at it for a different reason at that point.
1: Yeah. Did you get that loan under the primary residence loan or was that a different loan?
0: I did. I got it as basically that was converting to my primary house. And then I kept my Montana house as my second house. And, you know, it was during a time that was a crazy time with mortgage companies. I ended up having to go through three different mortgage companies to finally get approved. And keep in mind, my credit was great. I had the down payment. There were no issues on my end. There were just issues with mortgage companies being very scared of any little deviation. So um, we finally got through it after three tries.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You had a place in Billings, Montana, where you currently lived at the time. Right. You weren't giving that up, but you, what was it? You told them you were moving yes. to Florida. Yes. And how much time do you have to spend? Because you still have that, that house in Billings. So how much time do you have to spend to technically be living there?
0: Well, it's a matter of, I mean, if you're working in one place versus the other, that's how the states account for that. Um, but from my standpoint, I was doing a traveling sales job at the time. And so I was living quite extensively in Florida because I covered a lot of the Southeast.
1: Was there a certain percentage that they told you, you you better be here by this percentage or it's not an owner occupant, it's an investment property?
0: The mortgage company didn't care because you can have your own home plus a vacation home. So, that really wasn't the issue. The issue was they couldn't find a comp that sold in the area. That was one of the issues. The other issue was they said, Well, why are you, why is this your primary home, not your secondary home? And so that was what the first mortgage company did. And then finally, the third one, we went with somebody who was able to find comps and we got the property approved. So, three um, appraisal reports. So I guess my lesson learned on that is make sure your real estate agent, if you're going that route, knows to be proactive with um, the appraiser and make sure you have comps lined up.
1: And by proactive with the appraiser, is it making sure that their comps lined up or is there anything else that the real estate agent needs to do?
0: The real estate agent would be well served to go through the property with the property appraiser as well. If the person is able to, I would recommend that.
1: And, What are the numbers behind the fourplex? I know you said it wasn't the best returns, but just for...
0: Yeah, so really first, the three units were renting for around 600 each. So $1,800, which is a little less than my mortgage payment. I mean, a little more than my mortgage payment. So the property sold for 250. And then I basically have a 2,000 square foot apartment that I rent out here and there on vacation rental.
1: Got it. And if you ever completely made that... A four-unit rental. How much would it rent for on an annual basis? That apartment that you have.
0: It's a three-bedroom, three-bath. So I would imagine somewhere between thirteen and fifteen hundred.
1: Oh wow! So almost double what the the other three units are doing.
0: Absolutely, and you know, for vacation rentals, if I did get serious and did it more active, um, I probably could get twenty five hundred dollars a month just having it furnished.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, even if it's at that, that fifteen hundred. Then you're bringing in about 1.3% of the purchase price every month, which is pretty good. I assume it's in a good area, right?
0: It's in a, I would call it a neighborhood that's becoming gentrified. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so it's, uh, when I bought it, there were a lot of empty lots across the street. You have to keep in mind, Florida got hammered
1: oh, yeah, big during time. the uh,
0: recession And there were a lot of empty lots. Now, all those empty lots have been purchased. New homes have been built. The neighborhood's been cleaned up. So it was a neighborhood in transition. And I actually like those kind of neighborhoods uh, because there's just a lot of upside. And, you know, just I had a real estate agent take a look at my property not too long ago, a few months ago. And the comp was about 310. So it already went up from 2013 from 250 to 310. So I think that's pretty good appreciation, too.
1: That's awesome. And do you plan on doing any cash out refinances on it?
0: That was how I first started doing more investments. I did actually get a um, home equity line on the property to be able to make other purchases. So that's how I got the ball rolling when I first started.
1: And that home equity line is there's no taxes on the money that you get out of that, right? Exactly. And what'd you do with that line?
0: Well, that's when we first started investing together, my boyfriend and I. So we bought a house in Saint Petersburg with that. It was forty-eight thousand dollars. It was, you know, foreclosed house, and so we bought it, um, had the highest bid, and then did probably about twelve thousand in rehab and have it rented out now.
1: Forty-eight thousand purchase. Yes. Twelve thousand rehab. So we're at sixty thousand all in. And what's it renting for now?
0: Renting for a hundred, or for a hundred, renting for... Oh, uh, uh, renting,
1: someone's getting a really yeah, good rent, deal, but it's not you. <laughs>
0: renting for a thousand. Oh, okay. So it probably is one of our, that was probably our least our least financially lucrative deals. However, the house has appreciated, again, a lot. So I guess overall, it's probably one of those houses that we're going to have to look at selling in a couple years, and then investing in other rentals that are making better return.
1: Boy, you are making some, I, I, if that was the least lucrative, <laughs> then you're making some darn good deals because it's uh that's the one point I just quickly do. Whenever I look at single family homes, I just quickly do monthly rent divided into the purchase price right. and then see if, where is it between one to 2% um, or if it's under two one one one, 1%. And that's 1.6%. So that's pretty darn good. I mean, that, I've got a place, my first place I bought in 2009 in Dallas and I bought it for 76,000. It rents for 1100. So I think that's not, and that's one of my better single family home purchases. You're just nailing it. Well, I'm going to ask you your best ever deal. So what's your second best ever deal? That way we don't do a spoiler for the the lightning round.
0: Well, the second best ever deal was actually I purchased the house um, with my boyfriend. It was his money. It was he did a 1031 property exchange in Florida. And so we saw this house on auction and we went and took a look at it. And we were shocked because they didn't have any pictures of the kitchen and everything was great in the house. It had wood floors. The kitchen was nice. You know, it needed some minor repairs. We figured maybe two to $3,000 of repairs. And so we decided to bid on it kind of last minute at the auction so we didn't drive up the price. And fortunately, the auction closed at midnight Eastern time, and we were able to put in our last minute bid. Uh, we ended up, I think it was $38,000 for that property that we bought, put in a couple thousand dollars. So let's say it's, it, that one's are probably around forty-two, forty as well, something like that. And then we've rented it out for eight twenty-five a month.
1: Wow. That's in what type of area is it? I would that? say
0: it's a C neighborhood. We tend to like a step up from, let's put it, war zones. Somewhere between, you know, I guess people, sometimes Section 8 people have some of our properties all the way up to working class neighborhoods. We like to have long-term tenants. That's our goal.
1: And who manages these?
0: Mostly we have a property manager. That one I managed myself just because I happened to be in Florida at the time and I have the world's best tenant in there.
1: And oh, you're still managing it yourself?
0: I do that one. I have a handyman that does all the behind the scenes work for me.
1: What's your thought on scaling that out and cutting the property management company um, out of the picture? I've
0: thought about it. I suppose the risk you take is what happens if the handyman gets busy doing other things and isn't available. So that's, I guess that's the concern I have. He's been fantastic, though. He also does cleaning when I do vacation rentals for me.
1: Ah, okay. Well, what is your best real estate investing advice ever, Nancy?
0: Best real estate investing advice either? Well, I'm going to relate this to wholesaling because I get a lot of questions on wholesaling. And I would say the best advice on wholesaling is, It's not a deal until you get the contract back. So don't do anything. Don't waste your time. Don't go look at properties until you get a contract. That's my best advice.
1: Interesting. Will you explain that a little bit more? Sure. As far as like maybe what are some things that people might be doing that they shouldn't be doing before they get the contract? And when you say contract, is it the contract back from the seller
0: Absolutely. So here's I mean, here's the thing that a lot of people do. They get a call back from somebody. And then they don't know how much they should offer the person. Well, first of all, don't offer the person anything. See what the person wants. And if the person isn't going to give you a price, that person isn't serious about selling. And when you're doing wholesaling, your key is you're looking for motivated sellers. (laughs) If they're not motivated, they're a retail customer. And probably three out of four I talk to, I say, sounds like you want your best price. I really would recommend you find a real estate agent. And try to be helpful to them, but I I don't need to have any more of a discussion. So that's that's the one thing that people do that I think um, could be improved upon. The second thing is they want to go out and see the house and do an inspection before they offer a price. If you should know your areas, I mean you're going to know if the house prices in the area go for thirty five or sixty five. If you don't know, take a look at Zillow. Ask the person what they want. If it's in the ball game. Just put it in a contract, get the contract back to the person, have them sign it, then schedule your inspection. Once you do your inspection, you can come back if there's things you find. You know, you always have an out clause with an inspection period. So don't waste your time on any deals. I don't even waste my time on MLS deals unless I have a contract that's been accepted. It's just not worth my time. <laughs>
1: Wow. And when people are calling you, how does that conversation go if somebody's responding to, you know, say a postcard that you mailed out?
0: So generally, they call an 800 number. They don't call me personally. And I get their number from the 800 call list. So I call them back.
1: What do they hear?
0: They hear a recording. And with the recording, it just basically tells how I look for houses in the area. It tells, you know, that basically I'm going to have to pay, you know, below market value. It tells them, you know, quick cash closing. So just kind of the basic of things. And so they listen to it. Sometimes they leave a message. Sometimes they don't. If they don't leave a message, I don't care. I'm still going to call them (laughs) because I missed their call. And so my approach is to call them back, let them know, that I missed their call. Well, of course, they don't know who I am. And then I say, well, you probably got a postcard for me. My name is Nancy. Are you interested in selling your house? And sometimes they'll say, no, I'm not. And I'll say, okay, fantastic. Are you looking to buy houses? And so I build my list both ways of sellers and buyers that way. If they are interested in selling their house, I ask them to tell me more about their house, which most people love to do how many bedrooms if they've updated the roof that kind of thing and then from there i ask them you know what they're looking at in terms of a price if it's reasonable uh, then we can have more of a conversation. I might say, you know, that's, that's maybe more than I would pay for in the area. You know, what would you think about something in this range? This is what i have typically seeing. And then I get them to consent to it. Um, if they're way off, as I mentioned before, I just go ahead and suggest that they talk to a real estate agent because there's no point in me trying to convince somebody to do something they don't want to do.
1: What system do you use to track these leads?
0: I actually have a proprietary system that I use. It's something that one of my real estate mentors has for his backend. So it's nothing that's commercially available.
1: Got it. And how often do you follow up with the people who are calling, but they are not interested at the moment of the phone call?
0: It depends on the situation. Sometimes I just mark them as dead. Like I've had people I call and they say, well, I have a house in Florida for my second house. And so I don't want to sell it. (laughs) And then I just mark them as dead. Otherwise, I just put a tickler for myself. If it's a seller, then I I try to keep in touch with them until I get a hold of them and know that it's not a deal. If it's a buyer, then it's just a matter of when I have properties and also sending out emails, just asking them what they're looking for. Um, I also do some phone calls where I can leave Um, voicemail messages right in their voicemail inbox and so I don't necessarily have to just email them all the time
1: ah so it doesn't even call them
0: it doesn't even call them
1: and your two kind of categories or labelings dead and tickling yourself (laughs) I got a kick out of both those, whatever you're saying. I mark them as dead or I (laughs) I tell myself to tickle later. It's like, what?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, there's new. I mean, the new ones are the most important ones to make a call to. So as soon as you get a new lead, I mean, you really want to hit it within 24 hours, if at all possible.
1: What would you say is the number one key to making money in real estate?
0: Number one key is to do something. i <laughs> see a lot of people that will wait for years, three, four, five years and study things and they never do anything about it. I say that even if you make a mistake in real estate, most mistakes are recoverable, especially if you're buy and hold investor. Go out and get something done. Figure out a way to make a deal happen. That's The way you need to make money. Aside from that, I think buying right is, of course, important. Even if you don't buy right, though, getting started is going to be the best thing you can do.
1: You ready for the best ever lightning round?
0: All right.
1: All right. I'm going to take that as a heck yeah.
0: Here we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-a-n-d.com forward slash best ever. How about getting a financial model from a financial modeling expert? I think that is a brilliant idea. Our previous best ever guest, Bruce Kirsch. It's episode 128. The episode's titled "Crash Course on Financial Modeling for Real Estate Investing." He's got a special offer for you. And instead of spending hours running the numbers on deals don't, that don't work, um, his his new software, Evaluate, can help you filter out the bad ones in just a couple minutes. And you can try it for free. Uh, yep, free. Uh, just go to App. Dot get I know it's a kind of a funky URL, but you should do it because I've done it and it's it's a really cool, um, really cool system that he's got set up. APP.GETREF.com. All right, here we go. Best ever book you've read
0: The Magic of Believing by Claude Bristol.
1: What's the number one takeaway from that book?
0: Number one takeaway is that what you believe, what you think about, you can bring about.
1: Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it?
0: Well, this year we had three evictions, two tenant move outs, and three rental purchases all within a three month period. (laughs) And what I learned is that buying bargain properties can sometimes not be a bargain when there's deferred maintenance and existing tenants unless you are setting aside reserves for rehab. So we got clobbered. I guess the great thing is that we weren't over leveraged, so we've been able to make it through that challenging
1: time. I hear you on that. Buying bargain properties aren't bargains unless you allocate for the expenses that are required to get the deferred maintenance and the right tenants in there. Definitely, definitely true. Rings true for sure. Best ever deal you've ever, ever, ever done.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, this one I'm going to call the poop house in Columbus, Ohio. Uh,
1: It doesn't sound like we're going in the best
0: (laughs) (laughs) We bought it sight unseen at an auction, and when we got there to take a look at it, there were dog dog do in the basement. Uh, but that property, we ended up with repairs at thirty thousand dollars, and it's running for six seventy five a month.
1: You bought it for thirty thousand.
0: We bought it for less than thirty. It was twenty four five, I think, and then we had an auction fee, and then with repairs, it's around thirty.
1: Wow! All in thirty, and how much is it rent for?
0: Six seventy five.
1: So let's do that quick math. So you do let's see 675 divided by 30,000. Holy cow. That's over the 2% you broke the 2% rule.
0: <laughs> <We did>. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. I just thought that was in blog forums.
0: Definitely possible. We try to at least get one and a half if we can to 2.
1: Nice. Best ever project you're most excited about right now.
0: Project I'm most excited about is really just growing my wholesale pipeline. I I am just very thrilled to just see the effects of consistent calling and consistent mailings.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: You know, I actually like helping new investors who want to get into the business. And I'm currently working with some bird dogs as sort of an internship part-time basis to be able to help them learn the business and also, you know, get some deals for me too. So win-win, you know, they get some money, they get experience and I get deals.
1: What would you say is the biggest mistake you've ever made in real estate?
0: Biggest mistake I ever made was related to contractor. I didn't do my due diligence with a contractor. And now we have experienced some legal matters as a result. (laughs) Fun, fun.
1: Yeah. Can you um, elaborate on as much as you can on that? Just curious.
0: Sure. So basically the quality of work is not where it needs to be. And the prices of things kept on expanding and growing, and new things were added, and finally it just was enough was enough. And so that's the point we're at right now, and so legally we're going to have to figure out a way to untangle from this. It's not fun, so I guess the advice would be do your due diligence with contractors. Make sure you get references and make sure you check out their work.
1: So those would be the two takeaways as far as what you'd do differently next time. You'd call the references and you'd go physically drive and look at the work?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, maybe maybe just even talking to the people who own the buildings. Maybe you don't have to go look at the work, but just see their satisfaction and make sure you're understanding the quality and what the person's expertise is. Now, this contractor might be a perfectly fine expert in terms of, like, putting together Dunkin' Donuts, let's say. But when you're talking about a rehab of an old house, a historic house, she did not have the skill set that we needed.
1: What's the best ever place to reach you?
0: My new blog I've started, which is www.propertyadventure.com.
1: All right. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And uh, Nancy, this has been just a wonderful conversation about hard-hitting numbers. <laughs> you got into all the numbers on all these properties from... Your first deal in St. Petersburg, where you purchase it for forty k, and you're getting about a uh, thousand in rent, five to ten k in repairs, all the way to the poop house, where you, where you got uh, thirty, bought it for thirty thousand all in, roughly, and you're renting it for six seventy five. It is. It, you have achieved the golden unicorn what? of real estate, where you've gotten over the two percent rule. So now I can I can say with a straight face I've met somebody who has who has achieved that. And then you know talking about contractors, certainly a big learning there. And I also like how you mentioned uh, your personal growth experience was. Bargain properties aren't always a bargain unless you are making sure that the right tenants are in there and there's no deferred maintenance. If either or both of those exist then you got a budget for it plain and simple and usually i don't do one more question at, <laughs> at the end of my summary but i have another question okay. for just you Woo-hoo. following three things which one is the best cycling wine or men
0: oh <laughs> uh, i guess with my adorable boyfriend i'd have to say men
1: and if your adorable boyfriend is not listening which one of the three <laughs> is the best
0: <laughs> i still have to say him but i
1: All right, deal. deal. I'd say
0: real estate's my new passion instead of probably cycling. So probably wine would have to come next.
1: (laughs) There you go. Well, I'm trying to get you in trouble, but you (laughs) clearly avoid it. So congrats on that. Nice talking to you. And we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, bye-bye.